All right, starting hour number three. Once again, I'm still efforting Juwan Taylor. I'm not succeeding, but I will. We're going to find him. Going back to that last phone call from Tustin Ranch. Hey, listen, <laughs> there is no one thing that we can all agree on in the jungle ever. Not in the history of the program, I don't think. There is not one single thing that every last one of us can agree on, except maybe that that last call was terrible. I think we may all be in agreement. There may be unanimity in that. That's how badly that went. 12 Wood, quote, Please put that guy out of his misery. It's painful to listen to. V by a billion. Wood, many would say the same thing about you. I just let that guy, I gave him every possible opportunity to land one shot. I just wanted to hear. I just wanted to hear. Yes, it started to get awkward. Yes, it started to get painful. Yes, it got to be a bit much. But I just wanted to see, how much rope can I give this dude? How much lane? How much runway can I give this guy before he lands at least one shot? I think that he should have stayed in that shallow grave that V put him in. Kenneth E. in the 503. Jim, Tustin Ranch? Does that come on the XR4TI at Ike's Sando Shop? It should. Tustin Ranch. Paulie and Indy, quote, Dave is the new Eric in Orlando. A one-hit blunder. He actually hit twice. He's a two-hit blunder. He got Eric beat there. The question is, will he be like Eric and continue to come month after month and year after year after being that one-hit blunder? I don't know. We'll see. And at Reality TV, Ban writes, can I get some extra jalapenos on my Xavier tacos, please? The spot that you like to go to occasionally, uh, Xavier's? Xavier. It's my man. He's a legend. Xavier's? At CU Buffs, ECS 826. Dave and Tustin Ranch is the kid who's throwing a punch at a bigger kid and whiffs while slipping on the gravel and landing on his ass while V just stands there. Pretty good analogy, actually. Jamie in Green Bay. The Jim Rome show is fixed because Rome wants V to win. Signed, the conspiracy nuts. I think even the conspiracy nuts can tell that that was no contest. Even the conspiracy nuts cannot say the fix was in on that one. That was really one-sided. All right. So that's that. We will be in Vegas next week, the entire week. And I will not be on Radio Row. I will be at a different destination, but I will be there. All right. As promised, we are joined right now by an offensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's in his first season with the Chiefs. He's in his fifth overall year in the NFL. He was taken with the 35th pick overall by the Jags in 2019 out of Florida. The Chiefs are 14-6. and six. They won the AFC West for the eighth consecutive year. Of course, they will play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, number 58 in Vegas on Sunday, February 11th. We are joined by Juwan Taylor. Juwan, it's great to have you on the program. How are you? 
I'm doing amazing. How are you? Good. No, I'm doing amazing as well. Great to have you. So let me ask you, another full day removed from the Chiefs winning the AFC Championship game. Has it fully sunk in that you're going to the Super Bowl for the first time? And then how would you describe the emotions of getting an opportunity to do something that so few ever get to do? Uh, It it hasn't really sunk in yet, but, uh, you know, I'm still taking it day by day and, uh, you know, just getting my mind ready for it. Uh, It's definitely a a tall task, but I'm so excited. Uh, You know, my emotions have been everywhere. Um, You know, first time going to the Super Bowl and, and, you know, I just know how hard it is and how, you know, how much work it takes to get to this point. But, uh, you know, it's just a truly amazing feeling and I can't wait for it. We were talking to Juwan Taylor. You know, it seems to me even more amazing when you consider the journey this team went on. Like, I'll be straight. When the Chiefs lost at home to the Raiders on Christmas Day and your home record dropped to 4-4, four and four, I thought to myself, man, maybe it's just not meant to be. And it's not like I was alone. What did you and your teammates know about this team that nobody on the outside knew? Uh, we just knew that we would play for one another. Uh, no matter, you know, the obstacles that we faced throughout the year, the adversity we faced. Uh, you know, we just knew how hard we worked throughout the week to prepare for games. And, uh, you know, we, we always believed in one another. <clears throat> so, you know, when we got to certain points of the season where things weren't looking too good, we just kept believing in each other and, you know, just kept kept our head down and kept working. So uh, that just hats off to, to the coaching staff we have here in the building, you know, the best in the business. Um, and having one, and having the best quarterback in, in the league, man, just having somebody like that on your team, you know, you believe in that guy, and we believe in one another, and we just go out there and play for each other every Sunday. Juwan Taylor joining us. Speaking of the best quarterback in the league, you know, when you think of Patrick Mahomes, you think about that insane arm talent, right? But he's also got this incredible ability to extend plays. What's it like to block for somebody who's that creative and that unique with his delivery when he's on the move? It's amazing, man. Um, having somebody like that just uh, behind you, just, just it, it's amazing. They, he, he just can do so many different things. He can create so many plays, and you know, you, you know, you give him time, you know, he, he's gonna make something happen. And uh, you know, he, he can also, like you said, extend plays with his legs, and he has phenomenal leadership. And you know, we, we just we just go to battle with that guy every day. It, it's so fun to go to battle with him. He's a great leader, and uh, you know, he, he, he's just amazing, man. He, he can't put it into words how amazing he is. You know, I think that's really interesting when you just said that he's a great leader. Does he? How does that leadership show up? Does it show up in that the guy's unbelievable on the big stage, or does he lead from the front also verbally and vocally? Like, give me some examples or an example of his leadership. It is vocally uh, every day. Um, you know, he, he brings that, that that leadership inside every day. He brings that, that energy every day that we need in order to be successful. And, uh, you know, everybody feeds off his energy. He brings that intensity every day. You know, he, he's a true, he has a true heart of a champion. You know, you know, he just attacks every day head first, you know, and he, he prepares that way and the way he practices and the way he just goes about his business every day is, is truly admirable, man. And, uh, you know, just playing with somebody like that, you know, it, it only brings everybody else with him. You know, everybody feeds off that and everybody just goes with him. And, and we just play hard, man. I think there's something to be said for that, man. That's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, consistency is one thing, but it's not easy to show up every single day with that Absolutely. same energy, right, and that same intensity. Oh, yeah. you got to match that. So let me ask you this. For Going sure. into that game against the Ravens, there was so much talk about Baltimore's defense being not only the best in the league, but potentially maybe one of the best ever. We're talking about them being number one in points allowed, sacks, takeaways, did you and the rest of the guys on the line hear all that talk? Did you take it personally to make sure you kept Patrick as clean as you did throughout that game? Absolutely. Um, you know, hats off to the Ravens and, and their, their organization, man. They had, like you said, phenomenal defense. They had a phenomenal year. They were so fun to watch. 
Um, you know, and we knew what we knew what path we had ahead of us, and uh, we just we just took it all into the week, uh, just taking into our preparation. You know, we knew we had to, what we had to get done, and we knew what type of defense we were going against. And uh, you know, in order to have keep Pat clean against the, the, the defense that lead in the NFL in sack, we knew we had a tall task. So um, you know, we, we started the week with our preparation, and uh, I feel like we had a great week of practice each week. Every single rep that we had, you know, we made sure we were intentional in everything that we did to be successful on Sunday. So. Um, you know, all it took was us going out there on Sunday and just, you know, fighting for one another um, and, you know, putting all the, the, the doubt behind us and anything, you know, anybody that was Nathan and anybody that was thinking that we weren't going to win, we just had to play for one another, man. And, uh, you know, everybody in the building, we believed in one another. And, you know, we just had to, we had to knew what we had to get done to get the job done. Jawan Taylor joining us. You know, Jawan, when you look at the choice that you made, clearly coming to Casey as a free agent in March was the right decision. Was it a no-brainer? Ultimately, what did that decision come down to for you? Um, really just being out of Florida for the first time. I lived in Florida my whole life, uh, my whole 25, the time I was 25. I lived in 25 years in Florida. Um, that was going to be just a step outside my comfort zone, but um, it, it was it was never a hard decision for me. Um, I, I wanted to win, and I wanted to play with you know, a, a, another great quarterback and be under the coach Reed, a phenomenal coach, the best in the business, man. I just, it was just so many positives and so many things uh, to think about. So, you know, my dad had passed going uh, into my last year in Jacksonville. So, you know, I wanted to stay close to family, but I had talked about it with my family and uh, they were all on board with it. So uh, it, was, it was a pretty easy decision for me to go play with, you know, the best. You bet. You just called Andy Reid the best coach in the business. What? What's his separation? What makes him the best in your mind? Just, man, just the way he attacks every day, man. His, the way he game plans, just how how great he is in knowing the game and knowing our opponents, and, and you know he gives us everything that we need throughout the week, uh, preparation wise, to be absolutely ready every game. Um, and he's just consistent in that every single week. Um, he, he's an amazing coach, amazing leader, a, a great guy. Um, and, you know, everybody just goes hard for him because we believe in him. And he believes in us. And, uh, you know, he, he's a phenomenal coach. He's the best, best coach I've played for, man, hands down. Juwan Taylor joining us for a few more moments. Listen, before you go, so I know there's a lot of time between now and the game, but as you get ready for the 49ers and that tough front seven, you've played them. You're familiar with them. In fact, you played yeah. them in November of 2021 when you were with the Jags, so you know what they're about. They're running that same scheme. What's the biggest challenge they present defensively, and what's the key to taking away their strengths? Oh, man, they, they're, they're a phenomenal defense, uh, very good pass rush uh, group. Man. Uh, you know, they also good at stopping the run. They have really good guys on the back end as well, uh, very good linebackers. Um, so we definitely got another tall, tall task ahead of us and a great challenge ahead of us. But, uh, you know, we just got to put, put together another great week of practice, man, and prepare and, uh, you know, just get ready for those guys. They're a very good, very good defense. Hey, Juwan, one last thing. Let me ask you about Travis Kelsey, who I think I think the guy's best tight end I've ever seen. And it seemed sure. like he was not quite what he was either. And then towards the end of the year, he starts to pick it up. And in the postseason, he looks like he's still that guy. Can you explain? I mean, like, you're not him. But did he flip a switch? Did he just kind of level up? Were we all wrong about him? Like, how did this guy turn it on the way he has? Uh, he just he just speaks to his character and what type of player he is. He's a phenomenal guy, and you know when his name and number is called, he's definitely going to make that play. And you know we believe in him, and he, he's a phenomenal leader as well on the team. And you know he he attacks every day with that same intensity and, and and that same just just hunger every day. You know, and he he's, he's definitely the best of the best, man. And uh, just having him another great leader on on that offense and another great leader on that team is amazing. And you know uh, we we always believe when, when his number is called, he's going to make that play. So. 
Uh, another great player for us. Hey, Juwan, one more guy, one more great player, I think. I want to ask you about Isaiah Pacheco. When you see him running as hard as he is, aggressively as he does, do other guys mm-hmm. feed off that physicality? Absolutely. Um, another great player for us, man. Uh, he, he just goes hard, man. He, he Like Coach Reed calls him the Tasmanian Devil, man. He just goes hard all day. And, uh, you know, we definitely feed off of that. Uh, we try to set the tone in our games with our run game. And, you know, it, he's just a guy that did never stop. He, he's going to go hard all game. He's going to give everything he has for his team. And he's just a phenomenal teammate, man. He's selfless. Uh, you know, we need him to protect. He's going to protect. We need him to run. He's going to run. You know, he, he doesn't complain. He just, you know, he's just a blue-collar player. He just loves the game of football. So uh, playing, with, playing with a guy like that is it, so fun. I'll tell you what, you have a lot of guys like that. A lot of guys who love the game and play hard and have that blue-collar mentality. Juwan Taylor joining us. It's his first year with the Chiefs. Fifth overall, Juwan, I really appreciate you making time. Really enjoyed that conversation, man. Thanks so much. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, sir, dude. Thanks for making time for it. Juwan Taylor of the Chiefs giving us some insight what it's like to be on that offensive line blocking for a guy who might go down as the greatest ever. All right, Chiefs fan, there you go. Chiefs. Chiefs. Early karma. Good to get a chief on. Good to get a chief on. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Indianapolis. We're open phones the rest of the way. In case you missed it, we had Grant Hill on in hour number one. Juwan Taylor right there. We go to Indy. Rodney in Indy. Rodney, what's up? Jim... Doing terrible. Happy about Ben Johnson, though, staying with the Lions. But I called yesterday and I told you the worst thing we got to deal with is two weeks of Niner fans. Why do they all sound like Spicoli? Detroit, oh, oh, XFL, oh, can't catch, whatever. Why, since why is San Francisco so great when I see so many of them moving to the Midwest? The other worst part I said yesterday when I called was Swifty Bowl. I can't wait to see the other Kelsey brother from Philly, half naked, with Taylor in the box. And I can't wait during the Super Bowl to watch him jump out in the stadium, snatch kids up, and point him toward Taylor. Oh, it's your biggest fan, Taylor. Jim, this is football, not Sesame Street, not Captain Kangaroo. 313 has a heart of a lion. We will be back, Jim. We will be back. I'm out. All right, Rodney, thank you very much. It, you know, the whole Swifty Bowl thing and Kelsey's brother getting naked with Swifty, who, who cares? Why is this so offensive to people? It's not about football. I mean, yeah, there's oversaturation. I get it. I get it. But is it really that offensive? I mean, does it really bother you that much? I mean, I know it does. I, I don't really care. Like, it's not taking away from the game. I can still watch the game. I'm still into the game. I can still talk about the game. I can still do my job. Yeah, it's a lot. But she is a lot. She's like the biggest performer in the world right now. You don't think that one of the biggest brands ever is not going to take advantage of that? It's the NFL. They're in the entertainment business. And here's something else. This is not an original thought, but it's true. When you think about the NFL, what do you think? You think matchups. You think scoreboard. 
but they love storylines. How the hell do you think Jerry Jones is still doing what he's doing, having never won anything in decades? Storylines. Look at me. Talk about me. Storylines. Drama. They love it. They love it. Does that take anything away from watching the Cowboys? No. If anything, it makes you want to watch them. Yeah, I know. Here come the conspiracy theories. Right, Rome. That's why it's fixed. So we can get more of her, who you hate. What? Can we just watch the game? Can we talk about the game? Great matchup. I just, I just had a member of the Chiefs on talking about what it was like this year to play for that team. Talking about what it was like to be on a team that lost to the Raiders on Christmas Day when everybody left them for dead. What it's like to block for arguably the greatest quarterback ever. What it's like to play for one of the greatest coaches ever. Yeah, I'm giving you quality content here. A good matchup. What I'm saying is it doesn't really bother me if Jason Kelsey is in the box without a shirt on, hanging out with Taylor Swift. Now, if you want to talk about Patrick's fam and how annoying they are after all these years, yeah, I can see that. That's been going on for a while. Anyway, as annoying as you all find that, I'm still going to Vegas. And I'm still going to do what I do next week leading up to the game. Except I'm not going to do it where I normally do it. We will not be on the row. Now, we may have a presence on the row, but we will not be on the row. It's going to be a little twist this year. Tune in and find out. Am I going to be hanging out in the casinos? Hey, Tommy, is that where you're going to be all week long? He's going to be at Xavier's. Got to do that, right? All right, when we come back, I do want to talk about the Lakers. Dude, go to Xavier's. Ask for the Z-Man. Get your Zinchiladas. And your Zobster. Your Zungenous Crab. That's so good. That's my second favorite. The Zungenous Grab. Tell Xavier Zansmack sent you. The Zalapeno Zargarita. Love it. Zekila. Don Zulio, 1942. Love it all. How am I going to get any work done? All right, we're coming right back. Phone lines are open, but I do want to talk about the Lakers and Dylan Brooks again. Getting in their head, getting under their skin, hooking them, and beating them down on the scoreboard. That's next. Xavier's? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. I did not in any way mean to mislead anybody. It was just a statement of fact. I'm not going to be on the road next week. And some of you are really angry about that. Cujo Knows writes, To whoever's call it was to leave radio icon Jim Rome off Super Bowl Radio Row, I will fight you. 
Cujo, I appreciate you, dude. But that's not how it is. This one says, hi, Jim, Super Bowl haiku. Say it isn't so. No show on Radio Row. What's up with that, bro? Bellby in Calgary. It was our choice. You'll see what I mean when I get there. We were not blocked off the row. We were not kicked off the row. That's not what that is. You will see what I mean when I get there. It's all good. It's all good. Cujo, my man, I do appreciate it, but it's not like that. You'll see what I mean next week. It's a different look. It's a different feel. It could be potentially the best thing ever. We'll find out when we get there, except I'm not going to be on Radio Row. But we'll have a presence on Radio Row. Yeah, I know. Cryptic much Rome. You'll find out. You have to tune in to see what's going to go down. It's going to be fun. All right, so hit me up. Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. Frisco fan is still bent from hour number one. Frisco fan, what is the problem? I've given your team nothing but respect. I've done nothing but hype your team. I love your team. I don't know why you're so sensitive. What are you so upset about? Honestly, just having a little fun. When did you become so sensitive, Frisco fan? Like, hour number three, you're still bent. Hey, Frisco fan. Let's talk about the matchup. You think you got a problem with me? You better win that game or you're going to have a real problem. I, I love Frisco team. I love Frisco player. I'm a big fan of Frisco coaching staff, although I do think Kyle Shanahan has to win this game or he's going to have a real big problem. Has to win this game. Problem is, he has to win this game, and I love Brock Purdy. I've been defending Brock Purdy. But, and I'm not saying it comes down to just this matchup, but if you had to pick Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes or Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, who are you going to take? When a lot of times, exclusively, it doesn't come down to that combination, but you can't say that combination doesn't mean a hell of a lot. It does. Arguably the greatest quarterback ever, and if not now, probably so when he's done. And one of the greatest coaches ever. Going up against a damn good coach, but who hasn't gotten it done yet, and a really nice quarterback. Love the matchup. Heads from Bacon. War Rome, riding around Vegas, behind a desk, in the back of an El Camino, driven by Tom, while Alvy rides shotgun, playing drops, and Jack Savage rolls in front as blocker in a black Suburban. Hey man, I hope. That's the best Super Bowl idea I've had, or I've heard yet. And I can be throwing out, like, flyers to the strip clubs, and all the clubs. Because there's never any of those on the ground. Script club. Free buffet slips. Script club. Script club invites. Man, that'd be a blast. Even better would be doing the show. I'm not talking about after the show. I mean, let that be the show. That'd be pretty cool. Now we're talking. Finally, you're making it better with some good ideas. No way. Is this the one and only online one? One way to find out. I Ray Craig? I Ray, dude, what's going on? Romy, what's happening, partner? There he is. What have you been up to, dude? What's up? 
Oh, I'm about a 175, you know, you know, on a nice diet there of uh, Coors Light and uh, Winston's. But uh, listen, buddy, I got something for you here. I remember when we were young and they, the, the commercials they run now with all these superstars are so paltry. They're so vanilla and benign. They're just lame. I remember Lenny Dawson sitting there with a Fresca and a Winston at halftime of the Super Bowl three or something like that. You remember that ad? I don't, dude. I wish I you did. You don't? In Sports Illustrated? I'll find it, though. Lenny Dawson sparking up a big heater. Dude, if Lenny Dawson... classic. Yeah, no, I know. It's Look, it's all changed. I read the world changes, the media changes, the landscape changes, you change, I change, the commercial changes. I mean, Super Bowl three, dude, that was 55 years ago. Oh, I understand that. I understand that. A simpler time, buddy, right? Simpler time. No doubt, dude. Way simpler. <laughs> so Way tracking, simpler. Buddy? How's everything going, man? How's Janet? How's the kiddos? How's everything? DJ's great. Dodger Jano's awesome. You got one child, Jake, graduated. And Logan Rome is in Boulder doing his thing, Iray. So thanks Logan for the check-in, Lo- bro. Thanks for the check-in, bro. Thanks for checking on the family. And thanks for taking us back to Super Bowl three and Lenny Dawson sparking up a Winston and a Fresca. I do not remember that commercial. I ray. I ray out of the woodwork with that. Been an odd day. Been a weird day. Tommy and I were talking about it both on and off the air that since the start of the year, the phone calls have been lit. It's been really good, really strong until I want to say today. Today's been very awkward, very odd. I rate talking about, man, it was a kinder, gentler, gentler, simpler time. Well, yeah, <laughs> I would agree. Especially 50 years ago. All right, when we, no, no, I, I do not remember that ad. Get some reaction. Danny in San Jose. Our problem is your constant roast of Frisco fan. Why not roast overweight, inbred, entitled KC fan? You know why? I'll tell you why, Danny. Because, quote, overweight, inbred, entitled KC fan is not sending me tweets like that nor crying about anything I've said. Much less incessantly. Got that, Frisco fan? Frisco fan, you know what I am. I'm like that kid that is just trying to evoke reaction. And the problem is you keep giving me what I want, Frisco fan. Frisco fan, if you're like, hey man... What do we really give a damn what Rome thinks, man? We got the team. We got the opportunity. We're going back to get a ring. First time in forever. But no, we're not focused on that. We're focused on Rome calling us Frisco. I mean, I'm like a radio villain Brooks to you, Frisco fan. Like, why do you keep taking the bait? You're like the Lakers. You keep taking the bait. You keep getting hooked. Frisco fan, you should be better than that. You've got like an amazing organization. You have an amazing football team. You have an amazing opportunity. Eyes on the prize, Frisco fan. The prize is not me. 
The prize is the Lombardi. Why are you still getting all butthurt? Why are you still reacting like this, Frisco fan? I can't believe it. And Frisco fan, don't act like you don't hate L.A. more than anything in the world. How are you so sensitive? Frisco fan, you talk more junk than anybody. And yet, this is what you're focused on. If I were you, Frisco fan, I would redirect your energy. Redirect your energy and channel it and manifest it and speak into existence a Lombardi. Because you haven't won that in decades. Not since Steve Young. Remember him? I'm not the problem, Frisco fan. Patrick is. Andy is. Isaiah is. Travis is. Steve Spagnolo is. You have lots of problems, Frisco fan. I'm not one of them. Come on now. Eyes on the prize. Keep the main thing the main thing. Stop getting hooked. It's not even fun anymore, Frisco fan. It was like an hour one. And yet here we are in hour three. And I'm still the problem. Come on, man. Frisco fan, seriously. I mean, honestly, in my normal Rome voice, I expect a lot more from you. And I'm not seeing it or hearing it. And, and, notice I have nothing but respect for your team. Nothing but respect for your organization. But not, and I'm not saying all of you are like this. Because you know what? Some of you kind of get it. A lot of you don't. I think what I. Ray was talking about was not a TV ad, but a print ad. And not actually an ad. Tommy, help me out here. Did you do a little recognizance? This is my EP. Yeah, I think Executive he just meant producer. that Len Dawson photo at halftime of him ripping a heater with a fresca next to him from Super Bowl One. That wasn't like an actual advertisement. That was Super Bowl One. I believe or... so. I can confirm that, but I think that's what it's from. I think that's what he was talking about. I think he, I Ray was just confused. Yeah, I mean, Richie Allen was on the cover of Sports Illustrated smoking a heater, walking down the dugout. I mean, smoking cigarettes, believe it or not, used to be cool at some point. At halftime. At halftime. That's the kicker. At well, halftime. Better, better than in the huddle. Kenny Stabler probably did in the huddle. Love the snake. All right, well, there you go. I like the way, if I'm not mistaken, Ray also said, you know, Romy, just having Coors Lights and a diet of Coors Light and Winston's. Yeah, I mean, smoking cigarettes, incredibly enough, used to be cool. Athletes used to do it <laughs> during games. Hey, listen, man. The Super Bowl is stressful as hell. Who wouldn't want to take a drag off a Winston or a Camel? It's a stressful time. Super Bowl one. That photo. Hey, you got me on that one, Iray. That a boy. Touche. Jim Leland used to smoke in the dugout, right? All right. So when we return, who knows at this point, right? I'm still trying to get to the Lakers and Dylan Brooks. I cannot believe this guy is still agitating them to the point that he is. And I love LeBron after the game. Next question. LeBron, that's the only question. I'll try and get there next. But the phones are ringing. Hey, Jack, pick them up, man. Pick them up. Let's see what we got here. 
I'd love to salvage the program. One last segment, one last thought. So you're not going to believe this. Alvin, if you don't mind, can I get you to cue the breaking news sounder? I'm about to drop a revelatory scud right on your head. Dylan Brooks is annoying. Yeah, I know, right? Straight fire. Mind-blowing. Dylan, er, villain, er, victim, is an agitator. An instigator. The dude is out there to get under your skin. He's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I know, I know. You're all like, yeah, what's your problem, Rome? These aren't exactly revelatory nukes. Those are like the most obvious statements ever. Yeah, I know, right? I know, believe me, I know that. I'm the one that glossed the dude villain, Brooks, right? My point is this. Somebody should give the Lakers a heads up because it might be obvious to you and me, and the rest of the world. But incredibly, the Lakers have not figured this out yet. Or at least that's the way they acted last night. Did you see that? Villain Brooks got his gloss turning heel on LeCap. And yet, somehow LeCap and company forgot who they were dealing with last night because they got totally hooked by the villain again. And yes, Laker fan, villain made some borderline plays. You would even call them borderline dirty plays. You would even call them borderline villainous plays. Right. That's why he has that gloss. Because that's what he does. That's his whole deal. Ride the line. Try to get under your skin and in your head. I mean, the Lakers of all people should know this guy's deal. Yet there he was. And there was Jared Vanderbilt getting hooked. Then getting ejected. And maybe taking two of the weakest texts I think I've ever seen. Check this out. A lot of extra going on in this ball game. And double Vanderbilt. Tees. Is it a double T or just one on Jared? No, just on Jared Vanderbilt. And now Brooks goes back at him. No, he took exception to what Dylan did. And Vanderbilt wanted a piece of him. That, listen, I understand it. I, I, Dylan's our guy. Make no mistake. But Vanderbilt's still frustrated over getting pushed out of the air. Was Baron DeWilt just teed up twice? I think he's gone yep, because he's been, he, he, yeah, he's he wanted ejected. Dylan to react, and Dylan didn't react. I mean, seriously, the first tech was already lame. It was a weak shove at best. The second tech had to be one of the funniest techs I've ever seen. Dude poked him with one finger. Poked him in the side of the head with one finger. One single index finger, and he got tossed from the game. Not one of those like like aggressive jabs in the chest or right in the face. Just like little index poke. I mean, that'd be incredible in any game. But it's even more amazing that it was Brooks who provoked it. And even more hilarious than that is that it was the Lakers who got provoked. After they were done getting their asses kicked, they then whined and complained after the game about villain doing villain things. One player even complained anonymously to ESPN that Brooks called Vanderbilt another term for a cat. To translate it into jungle terms, 
villain basically told Vanderbilt, I see cat, mate. We see cat, mate. As if that were to explain everything. As if that were to justify getting tilted by one of the most obvious provocateurs in the history of the association. As if that's an excuse for getting your ass kicked by the Rockets. Meanwhile, when it was done, LeCap had this to say when asked about Brooks. Well, we were here earlier in the year. Uh, we asked you about uh, Brooks, and you said next you- question. He next questioned them when asked about Brooks. Next you- question. Hey, sorry, LeCap, but that's the only question that really matters. How do you let the villain villainize you guys? How do you seriously try to play victim after villain did what villain always does? I mean, sure, Brooks did some shady, borderline, maybe even dirty stuff out there last night. But again, this is where he lives. This is what he does. He's a villain. And again, you all should know better than anybody, or at least you're supposed to. The funniest thing about the Lakers right now is that the villain might not have even been the biggest villain on the floor last night, at least according to the Lakers. Because if social media is any indication, things were getting really awkward Awkward. with Darvin Ham. That said, social media is never really an indication of anything, right? But if you were on the X last night, you saw that still shot of that epic side eye. That LeBron was shooting at D-Ham during a timeout. And I guess that's how the team got distracted from the real villain. They were too busy worried about the fall guy, head coach, that they're about to pin all their mediocrity on. Oh, I get it now. To the Lakers, villain is not the villain that they're focused on right now. Darvin Ham is the villain that they're focused on right now. I mean, how can they be that weak mentally? Next question. That Dylan has them next questioning? The GOAT. Dylan is getting guys ejected on double T's for like the lamest things ever? Man, the Lakers look soft. They look so weak and so easily hooked. I mean, this guy's like the most obvious guy ever. This is what he does. You know going to any game with this guy that this is exactly what he's going to do. And still, you know he's going to do it, and still you let it happen. Bad look. Bad look and not a good team. But you have that in-season tourney banner, and nobody can take that from you. Proudly and arrogantly flying from the crypt. Nobody can ever take that from you. Not that anybody would want to. Not that anybody would use that thing for anything other than maybe to wash their car with. Or set on fire. Man, what a bad look. Let's go to Stephen Nocal quickly to wrap things up. What's going on, Steve? How are you? All right, Jimmy, my man. Whatever happened to that clone? I wish he'd come back. Hey, Jim, real quick, <clears throat> I got to come to defense of uh, the no-cal people here. <clears throat> the no-cal people that you experience, they're all gone from here now. They live in Idaho and Florida and Texas and Nevada. They don't care. We don't care. We have a great team. 
And as far as all these whining, crying babies out there going, I didn't get my Super Bowl. I didn't get my Super Bowl. They aren't from NoCal. We're cool with SoCal. I love Palm Springs, man. And if I had my choice, Jim, if I could play at the Olympic Club or Riviera, <laughs> I'm taking Riviera all day long. I've played in the fog enough up here, Jack. That's all I got, Jimmy. Go, Mr. Irrelevant, and all you whining, white wine-sipping 49er front runners, take a hike. I'm oot. My man, see, that's all I'm talking about. I was looking for that for three hours. That's what I was looking for. Exactly. He gets it. Like I said, some of you do not get it, and some of you do, and that guy does. That's a chilled-out Frisco fan. So chill that he actually said, I have no problem with SoCal, which is a straight lie. Anybody born into Frisco has a problem with SoCal. Said, no, man, that's not true. I take Riv over the Olympic Club. I love Palm Springs. I'm good. The ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call or click Granger.com or stop on by. My thanks to Grant Hill, Juwan Taylor, the XR4TI, even you, Frisco fan.